Welcome to another edition of San Joaquin Spotlight, a public affairs broadcast airing on television, CMAC, Fresno and Clovis, also airing on talk radio, 1550 KXEX. You can also find our podcasts on Anchor FM under San Joaquin Spotlight. This week, we'll be talking about Afghanistan, a country that's been on the minds of a lot of Americans and people around the world. In the Central Valley, we have multiple families from Afghanistan. Our guest this week is Sherjan Amadzai. He serves as the director of the Center for Afghanistan Studies at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. But before we talk to Mr. Amadzai, I want to share a clip from the UN about what's happening in Afghanistan. After the interview with Mr. Amadzai, we will also watch and close the program with a clip from the UN. The world is following events in Afghanistan with a heavy heart and deep disquiet about what lies ahead. All of us have seen the images in real time, chaos, unrest, uncertainty, and fear. Much lies in the balance, the progress, the hope, the dreams of a generation of young Afghan women and girls, boys and men. At this grave hour, I urge all parties, especially the Taliban, to exercise utmost restraint to protect lives and to ensure that humanitarian needs can be met. We are receiving chilling reports of severe restrictions on human rights throughout the country. And I am particularly concerned by accounts of mounting human rights violations against the women and girls of Afghanistan who fear a return to the darkest days. It is essential that the hard-won rights of Afghan women and girls are protected. They are looking to the international community for support, the same international community that assured them that opportunities would be expanded, education would be guaranteed, freedoms would be spread and rights would be secured. And are faced with an extremely uncertain future. The international community must unite to make sure that Afghanistan is never again used as a platform or safe haven for terrorist organizations. I appeal to the Security Council and the international community as a whole to stand together, to work together and act together and use all tools at its disposal to suppress the global terrorist threat in Afghanistan and to guarantee that basic human rights will be respected. The United Nations presence will adapt to the security situation, but above all, we will stay and deliver in support of the Afghan people in their hour of need. Looking ahead, I call for an immediate end to violence, for the rights of all Afghans to be respected, and for Afghanistan to comply with all international agreements to which it is a party. We are extremely concerned about Taliban's not honoring their promises and commitments made in their statements at Doha and at other international fora. We've witnessed time and again how Taliban have broken their promises and commitments in the past. We have seen gruesome images of Taliban's mass executions of military personnel and target killings of civilians in Kandahar and other big cities. Call on the Taliban to fully respect the general amnesty offered by them, cease target killing, 
and revenge attacks and abide by international humanitarian laws. Urge that no public institutions and service delivery infra infrastructure be demolished, including works of arts in museums and media institutions. President Biden has made clear that any action that put U.S. personnel or our mission at risk will be met with a swift and strong military response. The United States promises to be generous in resettling Afghans in our own country, and I'm heartened by the pledges we've seen from other nations to do the same. We need to all do more, and the time to step up is now. Women of Afghanistan, we hear you and we hear your pleas to the international community at this dark time. The fear, indignation and sense of betrayal you feel is understood. It is righteous. I call on this council to stand with the women of Afghanistan. Their rights and their future participation in Afghan society cannot be sacrificed. This is our shared responsibility at this table. It must be our shared priority also. All of us around the table can and should agree that as a non-negotiable principle in all discussions, the rights of women in Afghanistan must be protected. This is the future of Afghanistan. Now let's talk to Mr. Sherjan Ahmadzai. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you very much, Subhash. So. Sir, what is happening on the ground in Afghanistan? Unfortunate events. The uh, elected government of Afghanistan is toppled by force. Uh, this was not supposed to happen. There was supposed to be a transition process, a peaceful transition process where the president of the Islamic Republic uh, in negotiations with Taliban um, transfer power to an interim administration where that could then continue discussions on how the next administration of Afghanistan would look like, where Taliban would play a major role in that administration. That did not happen. Taliban toppled the government by force. Now they are in charge of the city of Kabul and most of the country of Afghanistan except one province. Um, people are worried, disappointed, uh, feeling betrayed, uh, mostly by United States of America and all the blame goes to the decision made by President Biden to pull the plug on Afghanistan very quickly without understanding and realizing the consequences of such an effort. There is no doubt the United States wanted to uh, close or shut down or end the war in Afghanistan. That is supposedly called the never-ending war. But let's say for the last two years, American forces were not fighting anything in Afghanistan. And that's why we didn't have any casualties in Afghanistan. It was the Afghan forces that was bearing the brunt of, of war uh, of 95% ground operations. Yes, they needed our support in terms of advice, uh, maintaining their equipment, especially the Air Force, and Air Force attacks by our forces inside Afghanistan. So the decision to pull out um, from Afghanistan suddenly and end the war without uh, uh, understanding the consequences, let's let's not uh, forget that you know, the US President, President Biden, said that he's gonna do a responsible withdrawal from Afghanistan. What we see is nothing responsible, but utter chaos. And I want to just uh, correct your title. I mentioned it earlier, but I want to get it right. It's the director of Center for Afghanistan Studies and International Programs. Sir, as an American, I'm shocked at how fast 
the developments happened in Afghanistan. And I wish too that the, strategically it was better played because there are a lot of people who are, it, it's chaos right there. It sounds like, is, is what we see on the TV accurate? Is it really chaos at the airport? Is it really Taliban fighters on the street? Is that accurate? It is chaos at the airport. It's desperation at the airport. It is Taliban fighters in the streets. But at the same time, we have seen some women coming out in the city. We have seen some international media presence in the street streets. That does not represent the whole country. Kabul city has only 6 million people in Afghanistan. And even in Kabul city, we have a few streets of Kabul city being shown by international media, the downtown area and other posh areas, the rest of the city. Forget about the 30 million people who live in the provinces. There are demonstrations right now going on in the provinces to preserve the national uh, three-color flag of Afghanistan and not replace it with the white flag of Taliban. People are aware of the fact they're standing up against Taliban. Actually, um, just a minute ago, I, I, I got a message that there was a demonstration and two people got killed uh, by Taliban firing. Uh, so there were demonstration for preservation of the flag. So the situation in Afghanistan is dire. It will most probably go even worse um, because the international community is not as engaged uh, in Afghanistan uh, by its physical presence and diplomatic presence in Afghanistan as it was two weeks ago. Um, the Afghan nation is disappointed uh, in, in, in what's happening because they were expecting a peaceful uh, transition of events rather than sudden, that could create a vacuum. Afghanistan is right now in vacuum of leadership. There is no president. There is no prime minister, if you call it. There are no ministers. There are no directors of offices right now. There are people with guns uh, who call themselves Taliban, who knock at people's door, uh, in some cases have beaten people, dragged them out. Um, and in some cases, the people who are, have worked with the government or have worked with US forces or international forces in Afghanistan are scared for their lives. They're hiding. Uh, in their houses not coming out, uh, human rights activists, peace activists, um, civil society activists are hiding uh, in, in, in their houses. Nobody's coming up because they don't know what could happen to them. Uh, and that's all because what Taliban had done in the past when they were in power first. That's all because what they had done in the last 20 years in Afghanistan, where they had target killings of political activists and peace activists and translators and those who work with the United States forces. So it is based on what have people have seen. Yes, Taliban are saying they're different. Uh, they're not gonna do that. But so far we have not seen any change, unfortunately. It's, it's all words. So is it just the Taliban? I mean, is there, when stuff like this happens around the world, there may be two or three different groups that try to emerge to take power. Here, when we're looking at the media in the US, everybody's pointing to the Taliban. So is it, has, is it the strongest right now is the Taliban? And is there a second or third group that maybe could take power? So in terms of the power and, 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 and the group, um, the umbrella group is Taliban. There is no doubt. The leadership is in Pakistan. Uh, Mullah Hibatullah, their supreme leader is in Pakistan, who's residing in Quetta under the auspicious of the Pakistani intelligence agencies. Uh, there are reports seen in, in, in bordering provinces with Pakistan that Pakistani Taliban fighters who were supporting Afghan Taliban fighters are roaming around in the cities of Afghanistan. They are foreigners to Afghanistan. Uh, 
when Taliban were fighting against the foreigners, they are also foreigners. So it doesn't equate uh, to the argument that they were uh, uh, just against the American foreigners or anybody else foreigners. Uh, foreigner is a foreigner for them, and they should be the case. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a Muslim foreigner or non-Muslim non-Muslim foreigner. The reason why they they, they let those people in because they, they they supported them. So so the words don't match the actions yet. I understand it is too early to 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 uh, conclude uh, uh, that they have changed uh, because there's nothing, no evidence to support that they have changed. It is too early to confirm that they are, are going to do what they say. Uh, it has been 72 hours since they captured Kabul city. So, so, uh, but they are up um, a very high challenge uh, if they want to rule Afghanistan. And I think they are slowly realizing what they have done uh, to create a vacuum in Afghanistan because Afghanistan of 2000s is not Afghanistan of the 90s. So, we're seeing that the Taliban fighters are you are are on in Humvees. They're in Ford trucks. You know, are is their weapons mainly United States type weapons? The reason I ask the question is, I'm not alone in wondering where are they getting the power from? Where are they getting the weapons from? Because, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, sir, Afghanistan had an army that didn't consist of Taliban fighters. Correct. It. It did. The, the, uh, so you're talking about two things, the Afghan army and what Taliban have uh, in terms of support. Taliban uh, have been having uh, political, financial, military, and diplomatic support to large sense from the military establishment of Pakistan. In the last 20 years, when they were out of Afghanistan, when they were staging their insurgencies against the, go the government of Afghanistan and its forces, they were stationed in Quetta, Pakistan, so the, uh, in the weapons part, that's the hardware, uh, the region is flooded with weapons post-Soviet Afghanistan era. So it's not a, something that we can say, um, it is not easily available, it is easily available. There is no doubt. On the um, political support to Taliban, as I just told you where it came from. The Afghan army uh, itself had no Taliban in it, of course, it was an Afghan army that was fighting the Taliban. Uh, unfortunately, is 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 in a disarray right now, and we don't know what's going to happen. All the equipment the Afghan army had from the United States are now at the hands of the Taliban, including uh, Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, so, what can we do? I, I know that it's a busy time for you, sir. As soon as I heard what was happening in Afghanistan, I knew right away that your program is going to be very busy. I mean, I, I want you to talk about your program. I know it's not a time for self-promotion. I get it. But I want folks to know that you all, you have a, an Afghanistan studies program. Talk about that program a little bit. We have been here at our university since 1972, so almost 48 years. Um, we have been helping the Afghans with education. Our activities are not political at all. We have been helping school teachers. We have been helping professors, we have been working with universities, we have been training thousands of women teachers, thousands of men teachers throughout Afghanistan. Our presence is strong because of our education and activities. So, so we, we have activities here in the United States and as well for our students, we offer classes, we have trainings, and also we have activities in Afghanistan, not only in Afghanistan, but also in the region. And in, in, in we have, have, have activities in Pakistan, India, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and we have worked in Tajikistan. So it's throughout the region. 
Can you can you tell us a little bit about what we can do to help you? I mean, you know, there's a lot of people watching the news, seeing the scenes. I mean, the the one that sticks to my mind is the group of people trying to cling on to the airplane as it's flying. That tell you know, some people are criticizing those people, but you have to understand that those people wanted to flee so much that they're ready to risk their life. To me, that tells me there's a need there. So what what can we do in the international community in America? We're in Fresno. The, the people listening to this broadcast on radio right now are listening from Central California. We do have a small Afghanistan population here. Um, I, I My coworker was from Afghanistan, so he taught me a lot about the culture. What can we do as a community to help you and to help Afghanistan right now? There are a lot of stuff that we can do. We can stand with the Afghans. We can um, be their voices in these times. The gains Afghans have made is because of the American assistance. Americans offer blood and treasure to the Afghans, to their situation, to their aspirations as who they are right now, who believe in the values and the freedoms and liberties that we cherish here as Americans here in the United States. They share the same feelings for international affairs. They want to be as constructive players of the international community as we are. We were their aspirations. When President Biden went to Afghanistan, he said that he met girls student who aspired to be doctors. Now he abandoned, he has practically abandoned those girls that he promised that he would stand with them. So we have to stand and, and keep our promises. We are the greatest nation on this earth. And we have to preserve that greatness. We have to show that we are great. And, and I think the American public could definitely uh, force our government to hold Taliban accountable to the promises they made uh, in the deal of withdrawal. It was not a peace deal that we signed with Taliban. It was a deal of withdrawing of US forces that Taliban would preserve the gains made in the last 20 years. They did not keep some of the promises. They, they, they told they would not attack cities but they did, but we still have power and leverages to, to make those things happen. The airport, I know you've been fielding calls regarding this. What is the situation in the airport? Is there food? How do we get food in? I mean, I, I think of things that humans need to survive. Water and food, you know, are one of those things, two of those things. Talk about the situation in the airport right now. Do they have what they need to survive? Because it sounds like there are still tens of thousands of people possibly in the airport. There are tens and thousands of people at the airport. If you look at the images, uh, there are, it's chaos, it's desperation. It's people just want to get out. And they have valid worries and concerns because they had experienced a brutal Taliban regime. I know Pro Taliban right now promise not to be as they were before, but that is yet to be proven and yet to be seen in action, which in many cases, uh, we have seen actions by Taliban fighters that contradicts the claims of their leadership. So it, it, it's desperation. I don't know if th all those people have food or access to water or something else. I have been getting calls to assist with um, evacuations, to assist with people needing assistance, to assist people needing documents. Uh, I have colleagues who work with us. I have friends who are asking. I have teachers who work in our programs. I have professors who are asking me for assistance. And at occasions, I feel disappointed 
and, 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 and helpless that I cannot help them more than what I could just tell them, please be safe. You know, I know you have to go, sir, a couple more questions and then, you know, we can always come back in a few weeks and chat about the situation because what I want is I want you to educate our audience on a regular basis about what's going on in Afghanistan, because I'm going to be completely honest with you, sir. As an American, I kind of have guilt here. I kind of feel like we've left the Afghanistan people who helped us, the interpreters who helped us on the ground. My heart goes out to them and their families because I have a family member who's an interpreter in another part of the world. And what he told me is the ransom for an interpreter is more than a soldier because you know, some people think that the interpreters are, are backstabbers. So my heart goes out to the people who helped the United States in Afghanistan. What, what's going to happen next? Do we know what, what, what are some next steps that you foresee that can happen to help the people? Absolutely. We, we, as I said before, we could voice our supports to the Afghan people. We could ask, hold our government, President Biden, accountable to the promise that he made American people of responsible withdrawal, which he did not do a responsible withdrawal from Afghanistan. We can help President Biden of what he said he's going to secure the United States and ensure Afghanistan is not becoming a safe haven for terrorists. That is in doubt. Because with this chaos, who knows how many Al-Qaeda fighters are back in Afghanistan? Who knows how many other terrorists are back in Afghanistan? We have no evidence of supporting that claim. We can hold our government officials accountable that they are telling us um, it's for global security and, 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 and peace. And there is nothing to see coming out of Afghanistan like that. So we, we still have power as public. Sir, how can people find out more about what's going on in Afghanistan? How, how can they find out about the program you're the director of the Center for Afghanistan Studies at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. How can they find out and, and what advice do you have for the average American or average person around the world right now who's going about their daily life thinking that they have stress at work or thinking that they have stress in the comfort of their home? What do you have to tell those people? There, uh, there are many organizations uh, who help, including our university. I also am a member of the uh, Nationwide Afghan American Foundation. Uh, so Afghan American Foundation uh, has been issuing statements and action points on how we can help uh, the Afghans. So if people want to visit the Afghan Americans Foundation website, just Google Afghan American Foundation. In our university, uh, the University of Nebraska at Omaha, um, we have been trying to help. And many other programs that work in Afghanistan. Um, uh, to help the, the Afghans. But more importantly, we have to be aware of the fact that we, as the greatest nation on this earth, uh, have to take responsibility for our mistakes. Um, and our leaders must be held accountable for that. We want to end the wars, the long wars, as they say. But this was a good war for right cause. We ended the war with a statement that we don't want to spend many years, but actually we ended in a wrong way that would most probably force us, send back our forces and kids to, to eliminate another threat that could possibly come from the region. Sir, thank you so much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, please do as Mr. Ahmad Zai said, look up, you know, Google the university, look up different things and look up aid organizations. There's a lot going on in Afghanistan right now. And a lot of the folks that are in the airport are people that helped the United States in our efforts. So Mr. Ahmad Zai is the director of the Center for Afghanistan Studies at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. Sir, we'll check in with you in a couple of weeks. 
Thank you so much for your time. Best wishes in all your endeavors. Thank you very much. That's all for this edition. Stay tuned to some UN coverage about what's going on in Afghanistan. By mobile health teams uh, is on The desperate scenes at uh, Kabul airport yesterday underlined the gravity of the situation uh, after the Taliban seized all the major population centers in Afghanistan. Fortunately, the capital and the other last major cities to be captured, such as Jalalabad and Mazar-e-Sharif, uh, were not subjected to prolonged fighting, bloodshed, or destruction. However, the fear instilled in a significant proportion of the population is profound, and given past history, thoroughly understandable. They have said women can work and girls can go to school. Such promises will need to be honored, uh, and for the time being, again, understandably, given the past history, these declarations have been greeted with some skepticism. Nevertheless, the promises have been made, and whether or not they are honored or broken will be closely scrutinized. Women and girls in some parts of the country. As the Secretary General said in his statement to the Security Council yesterday, all parties, including the Taliban, have an obligation to protect civilians and to uphold human rights. They must respect and protect both international humanitarian law and international human rights law. As the High Commissioner noted a week ago, and the Secretary General also pointed out yesterday, there have been chilling reports of human rights abuses and of restrictions on the rights of individuals especially women and girls, in some parts of the country captured over the past few weeks. Such reports continue to be received. Unfortunately, for the time being, the flow of information has been considerably disrupted, and we've not been in a position to verify the most recent allegations. The violations that we were aware of at that time. There have been many hard-won advances in human rights over the past two decades. The rights of all Afghans must be defended. We're particularly concerned about the safety of the thousands of Afghans who have been working to promote human rights across the country and who have helped improve the lives of millions. We call on the international community to extend all possible support to those who may be at imminent risk. And we call on the Taliban to demonstrate through their actions, not just their words, that the fears for the safety of so many people from so many different walks of life are addressed.